welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets The three mothers, haven't you understood? Mater Tenebrarum, Mater Lacrimarum, Mater Suspiriorum. But men call us by a single name, a name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. Welcome back to the Retro Blood. As we continue this Italian Blood Month here on the Retro Blood, talking all about Dario Argento's 1980s movies. Up next, if you like murder mysteries, if you like a guy named Pete who writes a bunch of books and has a bunch of fanboys everywhere, if you like a lady who shops lips a lot, and the way that she gets out of them is by is by giving people her address to come over and have <laughs> sex with her. And if you like blood, yeah, Italian blood, this is the review nice. for you, brother, because Retro Blood is talking all about tena, Tenebre? Tenebre. Yeah, um, so everybody that I hear pronounce this says Tenebre. Tenebre. But Tenebre, but I, which okay. is darkness. Am I too southern to say it the Italian way? Uh, I mean, I'm more southern than you are, but I True. say I say Tenabre. Tenabre, I brother. That's right, because I don't really I don't speak I don't speak Italian, so I don't really know uh, how to say it. I'm well, sure there's some Italian people out there that can school us on this. Well, here on the retro, everybody blood, says it Tenabre, but that just doesn't yeah. sound like it would be right. Well, here on the retro, blood, we say Tenabres, brother. Tenabres, because this is Jay Allison, James Klein, <laughs> and we are. We are we are continuing the Italian Blood Month hot brother. This is a good one though. Murder mysteries. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We got some here we got we got our boy Pete and his little fantasies with some girls with some red shoes. You know what I mean? We got they got that guy John who fucking didn't give a yeah. fuck about his girlfriend. But then when he saw a guy getting his axe head, he was all <laughs> freaking out. This is a weird one. This is a <laughs> This is a actually the first like I can't wait to get into the actual review part because yeah. the first like fifteen minutes is you know how I always do like it's like so this is what what, what did I say is like okay this scene was weird like that's like every scene <laughs> the first fifteen minutes so, it's so strange to hear people so you've never seen this movie before right no but I did see the um, the clip of the girl when she got her arm chopped off I saw I seen that before. Oh. Oh, yeah. that sucks. That ruined that dude. That yeah. if you've never seen the movie and you see that part, yeah, that oh uh, man, it has such more of an impact. Because the, the first time um, I ever saw this, I saw the edited version. I saw the unsane version. Um, but strangely, it didn't remove that much of the violence. Like most of that arm cutting scene is still in it. Um, it just removed other things to make it shorter. Um. 
but then I saw it unedited, like, I don't know, probably early 90s, maybe early to mid 90s. But um, but I don't know. I think I said this last week, but I mean, I love Dario Argento. And like when you proposed uh, doing this show to me for the very first time, I immediately thought of this movie. Yeah. And I've wanted to do it since since the first day that you said, hey, let's do this show. Um, so the first day since you said, Hey, I, Hey, let's, 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 let's start this podcast about eighties horror. I'm like, oh, okay, I want to do Tom Bray. Um, and I, and Dario Argento is one of my favorite filmmakers. These movies he made in the eighties are great. Yeah. Um, they're all kind of weird, but it's, it's interesting to hear you, somebody who had never really seen it, like for the first time, like talking to me about it. Cause to me, this is just what an Argento movie is about. Yeah. Because I, you know, and, and like a lot of times, like I'll kind of sound like. You know, I grew up in some like artsy, you know, cosmopolitan household where I was learning about Italian horror films and stuff like that. But that's not really that's not at all true. Um, but back when I was a little kid, like you, you weren't really you could rent anything you wanted. There was no such thing as IDing somebody for renting a movie. So I was renting all of these Italian horror movies because it was the only thing at the video store and I had to rent a movie every day. So it was the only thing that that was not checked out by people. So that's how I saw Zombie and Cannibal Holocaust and this movie and stuff like that. But um, um, but I would I would I read about Argento in Fangoria magazine because I would go to the grocery store with my grandmother, and they would have Fangoria magazine, which is a great 1980s um, horror magazine about horror movies. And it's fa- it's fantastic. If you f- see back issues of it, just buy them. It's a great magazine. But they would do articles about Argento, and I would read about it. And I, you know, and and I was like, oh, I want to see these movies. Like, you know, like I know, I, I grew up in this little shitty town. I'm like, oh, this these this sounds fantastic. I want to see these. So this is the first one I saw. So to you, it's weird, but to me, this is just what an Argento movie is. Yeah. Well, but, I, I'm um, going to say yeah, it's we'll, weird, uh, but there is certain things that he does weird. in his uh, <laughs> scenes that are just like, okay, I didn't see that coming. You know, and, and, I, and I'm not talking about the death scenes. I'm talking about the characters and what the characters do. Okay, especially the women yeah, like characters. The way they, right, the way they react. Well, we talked. About, I talked about that last week. Like, I'm not sure um, that Argento has a whole lot of respect for women in general. Like he, like he, it's almost like he thinks of women as like second class citizens or something. Like they're just not as important as men or not as important as he is. And maybe it's like a old style European, like macho thing or whatever. Um, but this movie is also, I feel like it's kind of a a response to people saying that about him, about his seventies movies. Oh yeah. You could tell this is sort of a, yeah, this is sort of a throwback movie in a way like last month or last week we talked about. Inferno being like a throwback to to 1950s movies. This is like a throwback movie to the kind of movies he was making in the 70s, yeah. other than Suspiria. Uh, but he made a bunch of these giallos in a row, which are all the you know the the Italian murder mysteries. And um, this the, is, he kind of went back to it with this. But the deadly black glove had made his return. With the deadly black gloves, yeah, it's made his so return. That's, I'm brother. sure that's Argento. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure that's Argento with his black gloves on. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it is really strange. And like Argento has this habit of like, like when he doesn't need a character anymore, they'll sometimes just disappear from the story. Yeah. 
or, or you know, like God. they'll just not maybe not necessarily in this movie, but they'll just like disappear <clears throat> from the story and you never see them again. Yeah, because they don't they don't you know make the plot go forward anymore. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. I absolutely. It's gonna be a fun it. one. So, like I said, everybody, we're gonna break it all down for you guys, especially when it comes to the who booked the shit, some of the background of the uh, Tenabre movie. Plus, we'll mm-hmm. do a full review, yeah. but. You know, just like every Retro Blood, we talk about what's happening in the world of pro wrestling and metal. And the reason we do this is because we like to create everybody like a weekend. You know, what are we going to be doing when we're renting this from Jay Allison's Rena Center? You know, we're going to be picking up this movie, picking up some Pepsi, maybe some maybe some chocolate bars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then like we, we're going to be listening to it and we're also going to be hyped about some pro wrestling and some metal music. So... So we there's a couple of release dates for this film. So the one that we decided to do was the American release date. And I believe the yeah. American release date came under a different title. It did. What it was, was the title? Unsane. It was called Unsane. Unsane. Yeah. So you're not you're not in yes. you're, yeah, so you're, you're not in you're <laughs> unsane. I got you. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not even sure that You know they should have called it. They should have just called it perverted. Because, I mean, fucking, yeah. they were saying that fucking word every fucking minute in this. Oh, you're perverted. This is about perverted of humanity. Perverted, perverted. We got you, brother. We yeah. got you. Or they could have just translated the title and called it Darkness. Yeah, I can't exactly. remember if Tenebrae <laughs> is Darkness or Shadow or if it's the same thing, but it's one of those. But we they are doing, yeah. yes. Because this movie came out, what is it, in October? And, and October 27th. It, yes. That, that's that's no, the release Originally, date. yeah. Originally, yeah. In, in, yeah. in, in the Italy, brother. But yeah. uh, me and Austin, we didn't we we didn't get our plane tickets in time, so we missed that one. No. So we had to wait for the U.S. Yeah. release date. Yeah, February seventeenth, nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four, brother. Not a bad year. You know what I mean? No. We're kind of like, you know, we're still in that period where everything's like, it's it's not it's not it's not commercial eighties yet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's getting there, but it's not there yet. It's getting there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not quite there yet. We still have we still have pretty gritty kind of hardcore horror movies that scare people yeah it hasn't freddy krueger's not a superhero yet yeah he's still scary so uh, the, the stuff i found for this date was uh there's actually two wwf house shows and they're mm-hmm. doing that gimmick where they're in the high school gyms okay Ooh. so yeah. we're gonna have a uh pretty I, I would say a and b show but by the looks of these there's pretty much just a b show all right <laughs> It's a B and a B show. Yeah. Even though this one, this first one looks pretty good from uh, Hazeltown, PA, St. Joseph's High School gym brother. If you're there February yeah. 17, 1984, you would see in your opening contest the Tonga Kid. All right. Not bad. He defeated Israel Mantia. So I'm not really sure who that is, but, you know, Tonga Kid. Well, Tonga Kid, that's a Rikishi or no? No, I, I don't think so. Isn't the Tonga kid um, um, Roman Reigns' dad? Oh yeah, it could be. I don't have. Maybe all, I'm wrong about. I that. don't have all the Samoans on my head. I know, I know most of them, but I don't, don't know every the, single. Uh, you mean you don't have your uh, your uh, uh, Samoan um, family chart? Yeah, chart. Yeah, I I, I yeah, can name. I can actually name most of them, but the Tonga kid always gets me. I always forget which that one was. Yeah, no, he's the father of Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu, that's right. So he's Roman. So yeah, Jacob. So he's Ro- one of Roman Reigns' uncles. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Jacob Fatu is the Fatu that's in uh, MLW. 
the one that WWE never picked up for some reason. Oh, he probably they probably will later around. Uh, you would think so. Yeah. yeah, you would think so. Um, and Samuel Samuel Fatu is the name of the Tonga kid, and okay. he is uh, he was Umaga's brother. That's right, Umaga's brother. Yeah. Yes. So we have Paul Orndorff, which uh, he's definitely a a heel during this time. Defeated Eddie Gilbert. All right. We have yeah. Mr. Dark Side of the Ring himself, B. Brian Blair, fought mm-hmm. Salvatore Delmino to a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I told you it was a B. <laughs> Hold on. That's why you're opening contest, brother. <laughs> it actually gets a little better. All right. I think Brian Blair could have been great had it had all that stuff not happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. I'm not like super familiar with Brian Blair. So like, well, the only thing I really know about him is the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. Yeah, because I know I know he was around and I know he was you know prominent in the '80s, like all over the place. But I'm not like super familiar with his particular career. But he he is pretty good on that show though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we have WWF Intercontinental Champion at the time, Tino Santana, defeated Bitcher Vashon. Now is I want, that Luna's dad? I'm. That's what I'm guessing. Maybe we just. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm I'm at the guest on this one because I don't have the pictures right in front of me, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's the uh, the Luna's dad, Rashawn. But they just probably just called him the bitcher during this time. But I thought he was maybe I thought he went by Mad Mad Dog Rashawn. Yeah, Mad Dog Rashawn. Is that what you said? I said oh, okay. Butcher. His per- perhaps best yeah, he is perhaps best known by his ring name, Butcher Rashawn. So yeah. apparently, Mad Dog is not his most uh, known name. Well, anyway, yeah. So that is. That is her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, with you, I'm, I'm pretty sure Mad Dog would be like his most known name, you know, because I've always, I never even heard him called Butcher before, but I could see that because yeah. I know they did vignettes of him in an actual butcher shop before. I think that's what he used to actually like right. do on the side. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Probably. Like, I honestly don't really know anything about him other than he's Luna's dad. That's yeah. like, absolutely the only thing that I, I've never He's a seen wild wrestler, wrestle, man. He, he, he is actually very similar to how, like, the, um, oh, God, I just forgot their names. Uh, the two, um, Ozzy wrestlers. Bush the, and Look. Uh, Bush and Look. Yeah, Sheep Herders. Yeah. They, they, like they, they were trying to make Mad Dog a little goofy, but he, like, you know, back in the day, this guy was like intense. Like he was, like, he was like a, he was like a scary wrestler. Like people got nervous yeah. fighting this guy. Right. So, check out this one. Andre the Giant is on the show, mm-hmm. so obviously it had to be, you know, a big. Uh, this Jim Navy is gonna be so, so fold up to the Raptors now, brother. Andre's there. Definitely, yeah, for sure. And WWF Tag Team Champion Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, they fought Sergeant Slaughter and the Wild Samoans. Wow. So that, you know, was that the, that, that's was a that main, the event. main event. It's the main event, yeah. Okay, well, well that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good that main event. That was worth going to. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that would be worth sitting through. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy to think that in 1984, you could see Andre the Giant in a high school gym. Yeah. That, well, yeah, that, I mean, that, that'd be crazy. like seeing that. Basically, well, I'm not sure what these high school gyms look like if they're big as shit or not. But that would basically like seeing like Andre the Giant like a Ring of Honor show, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it maybe even smaller than that. I don't know. Maybe no. those you know gyms up north are much larger than what I'm used to. But um, the closest thing to that I could think of is like 
when NXT kind of first started getting big, like when uh, FDR was there, I know that they came to a, a local, not a local college, but a, a college that wasn't very far away from us um, and played their gym. But that's also developmental. And yeah. Andre the Giant wasn't there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I guess that would be like Andre the Giant going to like NXT or something maybe. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy to think, though. But I guess they did run a lot of really small shows like that. Yeah, because you know, they were constantly on the road. Yeah, because this is like a house show business, you know. Yeah, it's tickets to sell. Exactly. Got to put those butts in the seat. What do they say? Every fucking uh, 16 inches, it better be an ass. Exactly. All right. So the other show is really not that worth it, even though I would have loved to put John through this match of the Iron Sheik versus Tony Gurria. Uh, I wouldn't have complained too much. I mean, I, I love the Iron Sheik, so... Just imagine, like, you talk about the total opposites of personalities. I mean, my God. Well, yeah, yeah, that would have, that's really strange. It's almost like they just picked them out of the hat and put them together. But. And then the main event was Don Morocco versus Ivan Pusky. So basically, we got a posing match. Ooh, Who can yeah. pose the most, brother? Ooh, that first show is better than the second one, that's yeah. for sure. But, you know, not, they were not both a whole on lot. the same day. Yeah, they're both on the same day. One was that, uh, uh, Hazeltown, and the other one was uh, Siri. But they're both in uh, mm. uh, PA. So, okay. I mean, obviously, we, we know which one we would have gone to. The Under the Giant yeah, one, for sure. sure. That's for sure. Even though I, I would have been uh, 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 a little sad not to see the Iron Sheik beat the hell out of Tony Gurria. I would have saw that. I would like that one. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool, too. But it would have been really weird, though. Like, I don't know if they put Andre on the poster. But it would have been really weird if we had to pick at random and we picked the wrong show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, fuck. Somebody's like, oh, Andre showed up at the other show. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, but what do, you got, what do we got in the music? What are we listening to once we uh, rent this uh, tape off the shelf, brother? So, speaking of tapes, so um, we've never talked about this band before, and I kind of always have wanted to talk about them, even though they're strangely not a band that I like a lot. Um, are you, I mean, I'm sure I know you are, but, um, how familiar are, are you with the band Europe? Oh, um, I, I, I know them fairly well. Okay. I, say. I mean, you know, you know, the, the final countdown, that's about yeah. the only Europe song or, uh, you know, before a few years ago, I would have probably been able to name. Yeah. Um, but I remember when that, the, exactly. I remember when the final countdown came out, I did kind of like that song. But I hated. I just thought the band just sounded wimpy, and they were just kind of weak. Yeah. And then a few years ago, I discovered this other album. That so Europe is a band. They're from uh, like the Netherlands or somewhere. I think Sweden. That's where they're from. They're from Sweden. Excuse me. And um, they had albums that were released in Europe before they came to America and got big. So the first big album they had in America was the Final Countdown. But. On February 24th, so like six days after this movie came out in the United States, um, they released this album called Wings of Tomorrow. And I listened to it almost by accident a few years ago, and it's fantastic. Oh, okay. Like, it's so different. It sounds completely different than, like, the final countdown and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's almost like power metal. It's heavy. Um, it's just, it's heavy. It's fast. Um, you, you can just tell that like they, they definitely tone their sound down to fit more in with an American audience. 
like they were they were kind of taking they were kind of definitely seemed like they were definitely taking like what the hair metal sound that was getting big in the United States was and said okay let's do something more like that um, but they have this song called Stormwind that's really good. There's a song called Scream and Anger, which is the second song on it, which we'll probably play at the end of this show, maybe. Um, that's it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's a, just a really good, like almost power metal type album, which is really kind of before power metal. It's like really kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, it obviously didn't do very well in the United States, but it did really well in Europe. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. and then they got uh, and, no pun and then they got signed no pun intended and then they got signed um and then they got famous and became uh Brian Danielson's uh entrance music. So apparently this album also too was the uh, the last independent album that they did before they could say signed to a major label as well. Exactly. Exactly. It was on uh Hot Records, which is a European record label. Um, and, it, and it's got a really cool cover of this like metal like bird on it that's just badass. Um, much better than the uh, uh, the Final Countdown album cover, for sure. You know, which just has a painting of them on it in space. But yeah, this has this badass bird. It looks like it's gonna kill you. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, this was released in the United States, but nobody bought it yet because they weren't famous. Yeah. Um, they, so that but, final countdown, they kind of made them a little bit famous in Europe. Yeah. Um, and this one, it, what they were saying about, so, so they, you know, they, they were like honing their skills and their ability to craft pop tunes. They'd never be more yeah. aggressive than they were here, apparently. So, I guess this one was yeah, like, yeah. one of the last, like, kind of like more like heavier style albums. Yeah, it was uh it was it's 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 almost completely different honestly. Like it's like night and day, I would say from like uh you know, um uh Wings of Tomorrow to uh Final Countdown. Uh but yeah, it's really strange, but um anybody out there hasn't heard it, you know, listen to listen to it. I mean, it's it's completely different. I mean, if you like metal, you'll probably like it um cuz it's just it's not it's not pop music. It's it's good. I mean, it's it's good heavy, heavy metal, and that's about all I can really say about it. But yeah, you guys should give it a shot. Give Let's it a shot, it. everybody. It sounds pretty good. I know I am after this show, because boy, I love me some eighties metal. That's for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. hair bands. We have some good hair bands back here, brother. All right, <laughs> where's my where's our boy Docking? Even me, he hasn't made a fucking return yet. We got to get him back. I know. We got to bring him back. Got to bring him back, brother. But I said, let's get into, like I said, the history segment. It's not going to be too in detail because we have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about when it comes to this particular film. But I say, let's get into the who booked this shit. Who booked this shit? And of course, it's our boy, Dario Argento. All yeah. right. With the, I swear they said his brother helped him out too because he was on the credits. His, yeah, his brother Claudio wrote this movie or helped him write it. Yeah. And his dad, Salvatore, uh, uh, was a producer on it. Yeah. So his dad, Argento's dad, Salvatore Argento, was a uh, he was a movie producer. So it's it. So Argento didn't come out of nowhere. Like you know, his dad worked in the movie industry during like the Mussolini era of Italy, and um, and then he just became a uh, you know, Argento started working at first. Um, not maybe not first, but he he was the writer first, and then he became a director. So he like really worked his way up. Um but yeah, um so yeah, it was produced by Salvatore and then helped it was written by Claudio and Dario together. Yes. 
And of course, he had his uh, ex-wife back into it as well. Well, I don't know if they were ever married, but they hadn't broken up yet. Remember, oh, okay. they didn't break up till after Phenomena, which was in 1985, I believe. Yes. So she was still so she had so he hadn't like given the razor blade to a monkey and had her hit hit him hit her had it had him hit her in the face. That's yet. true. They're so, still um, passionate. But yeah, they were still yeah they were so passionate. She he point. was just having her uh, drive around and then cheat on Peter the whole time. Yeah, yeah. She was uh she was in all of these movies. Um and and have you noticed that in almost all of them something kind of bad happens to her or she has to do something really bad? Yeah. Um yeah, I feel like it's kind of like um. Uh, Brian De Palma did that too, in a way. Um, I can't. God, what is that woman's name that he was he was dating at the time? But she's in a lot of his movies, and he would always cast her as like a prostitute or something like that, and and or a stripper or something, or or like a murder rape victim or something like that in all of his movies. Yeah, it's always like this weird, like um, you know, subconscious psychological thing. So yeah. some of this says, uh, after Argento experiment, pure supernatural horror with 1977 mm-hmm. Suspiria and Inferno, 1980's Inferno, Tanabe represents, like we were saying, the filmmakers return to the Gallo horror subgenre. So his back brother did his little mysteries, which he helped popularize in the 1970s. Argento yeah. was inspired by a series of incidents which saw an obsessed fan telephone the director to criticize him for the damaging psychological effects of his previous work. Yeah. The, the, tele, the telephone calls culminated in death threats towards Argento, who channeled the experience into the writing of Tenabre. <clears throat> the director also, he wanted to explore, Ar- Argento, he wanted to explore the mm-hmm. senseless of killing he had seen and heard about while staying in Los Angeles in 1980. And his feeling at the time that true horror came from those who wanted to kill for nothing. So I wonder what kind yeah. of stuff he yeah. was seeing in 1980. <laughs> What's uh um so he was in LA, Sam? So I actually uh no that was in New York and that okay. was the seventies. So I do actually do know this story. So part of that was he was staying um at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, which um when I went to went to Hollywood, I really wanted to stay there because a lot of like a lot of famous and like fucked up shits happened there. Um but it was just too expensive. Um yeah. anyway, side story. Uh, but anyway, the um um, he, he when he stayed there, there was a Japanese tourist that was shot um, in the lobby, and that started think, him thinking about like senseless violence, like why somebody would just kill for no reason, you know, not for revenge or not because they're mad at somebody or to rob somebody. Just he started thinking about why people would just kill for for no reason at all, just for just randomly kill somebody. Yeah. So, so it looks like our boy's goblin. Is back doing some mm-hmm. of the soundtrack for this movie on here. Well, yeah, kinda, yeah. So it's so Goblin broke up in 1980, yeah, which is why they didn't do the soundtrack to Inferno. Um, but um, I think it's Massimo Morante who's the drummer for Goblin. Like he owned the rights to the name Goblin, so they couldn't officially be called Goblin in the soundtrack, but they were. But but basically everybody but the drummer worked on it. Um, so Claudio Simonetti. So when you when you r- get the soundtrack now, I think it's just credit to Claudio Claudio Simonetti, who was the keyboard player, the main guy in Goblin, but also the bass player and the guitar player also played on it. Um, 
as well. Um, this is a really good soundtrack. I think it's one of their best. Yeah, it was really good during the whole movie. I liked the the sounds. Definitely really fun. Especially on the yeah, especially the Tenebrae song that that it plays. Like um, the one that they're they're saying like Puara, which is like fear in Italian, like Italian for fear. That just says that Puara over and over and over again. Yeah, it's really cool. So you know, like like we said last week, you know, Inferno really didn't get the the recognition that it, that we thought it should got, you know. So obviously, you know, it didn't really do that well at the box office. So and also too, you know, Argento was also um, he was also obviously sick during the uh, the production of it as well. So a lot of that stuff, you know, he basically had to, he put the uh, the three metals trilogy on hold, basically. And those side story, I've actually been watching some of that Mother of Tears, and that's a strange one as well. But we'll get, yeah. we'll, we'll get that one later. Yeah. So according to James Gracie, Argento, under pressure mm-hmm. and feeling the need to once again defy expectations, he wanted to return mm-hmm. to the Galileo genre and begin work on Tenebre. Argento later, later stated that he wanted to put on a film a gory roller coaster ride packed with Fast and Furious murders, and that he shouldn't resist what his hardcore audience wanted. He added that he also became he, he he became irritated that in the years since his last films, his Galio films, so many other directors had made films um, kind of like going away from his uh, style of like genre that he like worked so hard to do. So he was like, "Brother, yeah, I'm coming so back." All right. Right. So basically, what he's saying is that he shouldn't tone down what kind of movies he wants to make just because what other people think he should make. Yes. Yeah. Which he's right. Yeah, he also said, um, Argento said that uh, Tamari was directly influenced by two distressing incidents that occurred in 1980. On a break from filmmaking after Suspiria's uh, surprise success, Argento was spending time in Los Angeles where he obsessed about a fan telephoned him repeatedly to talk about Suspiria's influence on him. According to Argento, mm-hmm. the calls began ple- um, pleasantly enough, but before long became more insistent, eventually menacing. The fan claimed that he wanted to harm Argento in a way that reflected how many the, or how much the, the director's work affected him. So you know, obviously, this guy it was the um, probably the, the the base for the character. What was it name? Cristiano that we saw in this mm-hmm. movie, where he was kind of like the the over obsessed fan of the actual work in the the book Sinabre. So. You can see that when it comes to this side story here, and it, the guy, the fan also said that the the director had ruined his life. Bro, this guy was a freaking hardcore fan. <laughs> he is yeah. turned away and wanted to ruin Argento's life. Bro, it sounds like a wrestling fan. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you ruined feck, my life. You fucking uh, Kenny Omega, fucking ruined my life, brother. <laughs> fucking asshole, this little flippy floppies. And Bobby then see too much flippy floppy. Yeah. It's like, fuck. And Roman Reigns won't lose that belt, brother. Fuck him. How many are they going to call up yeah, Roman exactly. Reigns? Lose the belt. Why won't you lose the belt? I lost my family because <laughs> he didn't lose the belt, brother. Yeah, it's silly. People are, people, are, people are crazy. Yeah. So, let's see. He said, although no violence came at the threat, Arduino said that he found the experience uh understandably terrifying and felt unable to write at the advice of why did he keep picking up the phone i well i don't know maybe you know back then like 
the phone would just ring. That's true. You know, it's not like a cell phone where you could put somebody on silent. Yeah, it block would just his ring. ass. Just imagine, imagine, yeah. well, imagine if we had Twitter <laughs> back in this fucking day. This back, fan yeah, would have been then. crazy, yeah. bro. Tweeting his ass, yeah. DMing him every fucking second. Bro, they're so lucky oh, they didn't have no Twitter. Life. Oh God, it would have been bad. But I wonder what his, uh, I wonder what his argument was about why Suspiria ruined his life. Like, you know, I don't know. <sighs> I couldn't tell it's you. Maybe it's just like fucking. Maybe he was into like you know, maybe they had the wrong color pattern. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not enough red. So all the advices of his producers, Argento fled to the coastal city of Santa Monica, where he felt safe enough to resume writing. However, after a few weeks, the fan found Argento and resumed his calling. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Issuing more threats. He fucking wow. found me. The director did. Okay, that okay. I can see where he was basing some of this movie around this incident because there's a lot of like stuff yeah. in this movie that it's like you could see wh- where he was doing this from. Uh, yeah. the, so now the director decided to return to Italy. Yeah, that's right, brother. Return to Italy. You got to call collect, motherfucker. What are you gonna do? Mm, uh, exactly. Argentino felt the escaping uh, nature of the fans' threat were uh, symptomatic of that city of broken dreams, with its celebrity stalkers and senseless crime. The second incident occurred during Argento's stay at the Beverly Hilton, where a Japanese tourist was shot dead in the hotel lobby. Mm. Later, hearing of a drive-by shooting outside a local cinema, Argento reflects on the senseless of that killing. To kill for nothing, this is the true horror of today. When that uh, gesture has no meaning whatsoever, it's a completely repugnant. And that's sort of atmosphere I wanted to put across in Tenabre, which I think he did pretty well. I mean... You know, I yeah. this this movie. You know, if you look at it, he did do pretty well of like getting out of his point. You know, of the perversion mm-hmm. of humanity and how humanity, you know, is very like it's just the the perverted nature of violence of how they like it. And right. I, you know, he was. I thought they did that pretty well when you actually like pay attention to a couple scenes that he was doing in the film. Because if you if you like don't think about that, there is a couple of scenes that are just like why the fuck is this shit happening? It's just like so random. But I got right. what he was trying to like portray there. So yeah, yeah, like we'll talk about it. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of things in this movie that are like why is this character doing this? Um, other than to make the plot go forward. Yeah. But yeah, so basically what he in in a nutshell, the too long didn't read section of that is basically he tried to work in America. He decided America was fucking crazy, and he went back to Rome. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. You guys, Americans are crazy. But I definitely like my New York in the movies. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So we'll talk a little bit about the casting because some of it's a little interesting. So yes. Argento reportedly offered the lead role of Peter Neal to Christopher Walken. Oh, what could have been? <laughs> I was about to say, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> fucking fantastic, if Peter, brother. If, uh, if Walken had played yeah. uh, Peter Neal, that would have been great. But eventually he, got, he went to Anthony, <laughs> Fris- uh, was it Francisco? This guy, I don't know, man. This guy was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim oh, Newman man. felt that Francisco's casting was fortunate as he was capable of bringing more to the role than the script asked of him. He also believed that if Walken had been cast, it would have been more obvious that he was a killer. Eh. I mean, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, yeah. According to Jones and, um, Dar- well, how do you say this girl? Daria Nicolodi? Yeah, Daria Nicolodi. Okay. Did I say it wrong or no? Nicolodi. 
I, I think it's Nickelodeon, but I could be I could be wrong. I don't really. I've never heard anybody say her name, but I think it's Daria Nickelodeon. So she was saying the relationship between um, uh, uh, Francisca and Argento was a, a fractious one. In addition, mm. uh, Nickelodeon and Argento were romantically involved at the time, like we were saying. But the relationship has suffered over a dispute story credited during the film of Suspiria. So yeah, remember? So the the building yeah. blocks of them eventually breaking up was her not giving scarred. It, yeah. it scarred a little bit. Was her not getting yeah. the rub for by putting her name in the credits, brother? Yeah. So right for Inferno. Yeah. Remember? No, no, no. For so Suspiria. She, she, no, no. She also. Well, no, she, she she was credited for Suspiria, wasn't she? But she only only because she fought for it. Yeah, that uh, I, we may need to look this up, but that's what I understood when we did that research was that she was created credited as a writer on Suspiria, um, because she fought for it. But when they did the sequel, she basically wrote the sequel, the story of the sequel, and then he wrote a script based on her story, but didn't credit her at all. But yes. yeah, you're, but what you're saying is right. This all started back when they were working on Suspiria back in 1977 together. Yes. So by her own count, she was really she was originally asked for the small role of Jane in this story, which ultimately mm-hmm. went to Veronica. Uh, Nicoloda was, according to Alan Jan- Jones, cast as the woman on the beach in Neil's flashback. So she was, I guess, she was originally cast as the girl, that random girl in the, with the red shoes. Uh, Daria Nicolodi was. Yeah, she was. I guess she was. Uh, yeah, she, I guess she was originally cast as that one. Wow. Okay. And then he changed. He he gave her the role of Anne. Yeah, gave her the role of Anne. Yes. No, no, no. He gave. Didn't he give her the role of the uh, Jane? He gave her the role of Jane. No. No, Jane is Veronica Lario. Okay. So he. Oh, so he. Okay, Anne. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. It's hard to keep my Italian women all straight, brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. So, Thomas Rockstar states that Nickelodeon was never intended for that role, only that of Jane. Transgender actress Evan Robertson was later hired to play the woman on the beach. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Evan Robertson. So, she was... uh, a transgender Italian actress, model, and activist from Italy, perhaps known for her role in... So her big okay. So this is the only film she basically was in. Well, no, she's in a couple other ones. Yeah, she was in Hercules. So yeah, so yeah, so basically she was born a male. Yeah, and then at like sixteen or well, at the age of twenty-one, it says she started uh, going through sex reassignment surgery. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's I, I did interesting. not know that until you just said that. Yeah. yeah, you don't see that, especially for back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, interesting. Let's see. Uh, do you got anything else on this movie you want to talk about before we go straight into it? Because there's a shit ton. But I'm not going to well, get into like, uh, every the only, detail. The, the only thing I wanted to mention about the casting was um, Ania Peroni is back in it again. Um, she's the girl that played Elsa, the the girl that stole the book and then offered to fuck the security guard to yeah. not go to jail. She was the girl who played the weird music student that stared at the guy, stared at Mark in uh, Inferno. Really? Yep, the same actress. She just has dark hair here. That's true. Are you sure she was in the one on the beach? No, the one on the beach is uh, is Eva Robin. Yeah, who's the transgender? The trans 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 
transgender. I can't say this word. Transgender actress. Yes. Okay. Oh, there, there's one guy I want to mention before we go on to is uh, my my boy John Saxon. Oh, John Saxon. How could we forget, right? Um, if you I know, can play the uh, the agent. Yeah. All right. Bulmer. He's always great in everything. This guy was fucking awesome. And this, <laughs> he's so random. And this is like, look at my fucking hat. Like the whole hat thing was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just so strange. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah the I mean, only other thing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was about to say, like, you know, his career in the 80s was, I mean, even before this, like, we talked about him already a couple times. So we, we talked about him yeah. and he was on Black Christmas when we did the lights out on that one. And he was on yep. the, the, our first ever review of uh, Retro Blood, A Nightmare on Elm Street. He, and he both played yeah. cops. So it's weird to see him, yep. like, like a, as, like, a cop and he just goes to some sort of agent dude who's, like, fucking on the guy's wife. So. Yeah, I actually know him as uh, from the Six Million Dollar Man. That's the first place I ever saw him yeah. when I was a little kid. He was a guest character on that, and then I saw him in a bunch of other things. But John Saxon was a great actor. I mean, he, I, I mean, I love John Saxon. He's fantastic. He's great in this, great in Nightmare on Elm Street, great in everything he's ever done. Yes. Um, but the only thing I was going to mention about, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now or later, um. But did you want to talk? Do you want to talk about it now or later for that big, long uh, tracking shot in the movie? Uh, we could talk about it whenever. I mean, we could talk about it now. It if we want. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. It, do, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. we can talk about it when it happens. I mean, I guess we can just talk about it when it happens because yeah. like, it's it's a pretty big deal. Like nothing like that had ever been done in movies before. For the flow, brother. Let's do it. But I said let's do it. Let's get into the full review of Tanabra. And by the way, it is it is darkness. That's what it was translated into. Darkness. Darkness, brother. I've read all your books, Mr. Neal. The book deals with a murder committed with an old-fashioned open razor, right? This girl, too, was killed with a razor, and your book's pages stuffed into her mouth. Can I ask you something? If someone is killed with a Smith & Wesson revolver, do you go and interview the president of Smith & Wesson? Peter, Peter, you can't let me down now. We're within two days of making a deal. Please, stay just until Friday. My life is in danger. There's no deal in the world worth risking my life for. Not anxiety or fear, but freedom. You wrote those words, page 46. Freedom to strike again, Peter. Listen, don't hang up. We have to talk. You told me how, Peter Neal. You and me together. We've just begun. Jesus. Come on, hurry! Oh, yeah. You'll be okay. 
We've got to get out of here. The guy, the guy, guy has an axe. Could it be somebody I know? Damn. I wish I'd never written that book. You don't mean that. I've made charts. I've tried building a plot the same way you have. I've tried to figure it out, but... I just have this hunch that something is missing. A tiny piece of the jigsaw. Somebody who should be dead is alive, or... Somebody who should be alive is already dead. Explain that. You know, there's a sentence in a Conan Doyle book. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. All right, so we start off the movie with, of course, the black glove. The Italian black glove of murder. And it's reading the book of Tenabre, Darkness Brother. It's reading it. So so I I also had a couple patterns in our boy Argento's movies. There has to be a black glove. There has to be hot Italian women. There has to be books. Oh, yeah. So, got to have those books, brother. (sighs) Yeah, that that yeah, he is he is really big into books and writing. Yes. Yeah, the black gloves we've we've covered that before. The black gloves are almost always Argento himself, um, and then hot Italian women. I mean, how can you go wrong? Yeah. And there's a lot. There's quite a few of them in this movie. Oh yeah. So um, so the, the he basically talk about a couple of the passages from the book of perversion and murder and all that stuff, and then eventually throws the book into the flyer. So this one we see. So this part was a little strange. And I don't know if 1980s or something was different when it comes to traffic, but there's no way. So we first see our boy. So we first see our boy Peter, Peter Neal. He's like our main book writer character, dude. This you, yeah. you're supposed to tell me that this guy was driving his bicycle <laughs> in New York on the fucking road, and there's nobody screaming at his ass. You gotta be fucking kidding. Well, it's me. not it's not just the road. Like he's driving on the freeway. The freeway to the freeway. To JFK Airport. So he drives so he drives to his he rides his bicycle, yeah. his ten speed bike, um, to JFK Airport on the freeway. So I mean it's it, it's no secret of how much I dislike bike riders. Yeah. And getting behind bike riders. But this guy is the reason road rage was invented. <laughs> oh yes. Like, I would lose my f- Fucking mine. Yeah, me too. If, if I were Get driving the down the highway <laughs> and there was some asshole on his fucking ten speed bike, I would lose my fucking mind. I would. There's I would no literally way. probably kill this guy. Why this the fuck why are you on the highway with your little dumb bike? Yeah. And yeah, and if I would have followed, if I would have followed this guy, and you gotta tell me, so you were following your fucking butler in the car with your <laughs> shit in there? Okay, you tell me. This is, Bro, this guy, he already had heat on me. Like, this guy already, like, the, the beginning scene of him already had, I already had heat this, with this guy. 
Right. And that's the yeah, that's the thing uh, that gets me is like when he gets there, his like his like uh the driver of the car yeah. is taking his suitcase. It's like a like, suitcase. Why didn't you fuck? just ride in the fucking car? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Man, I was hot. Bro. I was hot when I saw this. I was like, okay, this guy automatically he would be and just the way it looked too, it looked like a little dick. Alright. <laughs> so then this guy gets a fucking phone call in the airport and this guy just walks out of Hey go, I got a fucking phone Hey, you're gonna wait in line, asshole? <laughs> You fucking dick. I only had to wait like 40 minutes behind your ass. And now you're going to want to fucking jump in line? I was like, this, yes. this, this is like the beginning of the movie. I'm already like fucking pissed off with this guy. And they're trying to make already, him likable. Yeah, he's supposed now, to be the good guy. Right? And then now he's just talking to about his wife, Jane. He's like, yeah, I've seen you for mm. six weeks. I was like, so yeah. what? There's a reason. And he just hangs up on her. I was like, what yep. the, okay, so we were, we're seeing, I thought, man, okay, this, first of all, this guy is a dick because he's driving his bike, he cuts in front of the people, they don't give a fuck, mm-hmm. and yep. he's cheating on his wife. That's what it seems like in the first, like, five minutes of the film, right? Yes. So, <clears throat> so he's going on his, um, so while he's doing all this stuff, he leaves his bag, like his travel bag. It's weird, too, because he just leaves it right in front of where everybody is, he just walks over to the yep. little red phone. And you can see a girl yeah. like staring at him, and she takes the bag and she switches it. So he goes to yeah. find his bag, right. and he can't find it at the beginning. And then he finds his other bag, but obviously it's been switched out. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't leave your bag in the airport. Alone. Bro, this guy, this guy's an they idiot. Tell you that even. Okay. Yeah, he is. So then we have the girl who comes out of like a phone booth, which you find out her name is going to be Jane. And she's basically following him. And I swear, I thought she put a fucking bomb on his bag. Because the way she was looking at his ass, it was like, yeah, I got you, motherfucker. All right, I'm going to take this little... I thought they were going to blow up the plane or something, but I guess I was wrong. So, <clears throat> well, she lost a little... She looked, like, sad, too. Like, a little bit of both. So, Okay, so this part's a little weird. <laughs> So we have our girl. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say that this is like the beginning of the film. A lot of shit was pretty weird. <clears throat> so we have our girl. Um, yeah, listen, everybody. I suck with Italian names, so just bear with me. Elisa. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Elisa. Elsa. Oh, this Elsa. E L S. Elsa. Yeah, the shoplifter. The shoplifter girl. So this girl, she's like, first of all, we see some creep guy just staring at her ass. You know what I mean? She's like, what the fuck? So she's like walking around the store and shit. And this is when we find out that uh, t- you can just go to the local bookstore and, and buy Tanabre, brother. Okay? Because it's yeah. written by our Apparently famous... Yeah. Deal. Yeah. So this guy, this guy, Peter, he, he wrote the book. And he, this is like, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a famous book writer. He's like the George R. R. Martin <laughs> of Italian or some shit like that. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. So, so she, like, steals the book. All right? Mm-hmm. And first time I'm thinking, because, you know, I've been in, like, retail before. I'm, like, thinking, like, okay. So, th- th- this th- this part is actually pretty funny, too, because you don't even see this nowadays. So, she puts the book, all right? And then she's about to leave, and then the guy yeah. just fucking grabs her fucking arms. Like, what's in your bag? Give me your bag. I need to see your bag. <laughs> I was like, okay. that's I can kind of see that happening nowadays, but we have to be a little bit more PG about it. These Italian people are like, no. Oh. I'm gonna, I thought he was going to slap the girl. Yeah, well, I mean... This is not the worst it gets, but yeah. Yes. No, no, no. It gets way more on PG than this. <laughs> so, this this scene was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to this little room, and he's yeah. all like, "I see here on my list, you've been you got caught twelve times for shoplifting." First of all, I don't know how the fuck he knows that. Oh, well, I was gonna ask that question. Where, where does where does this list come from? Like, how does he even know who she is? 
I have no idea, but apparently she's shoplifted 12 times. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be at this store, multiple stores. I have no idea, but it's 12 times where she shoplifts. Okay. Like, like maybe he has her ID, but like he yeah. just has like a list of people and how they've shoplifted. Well, like, maybe maybe all these maybe all these book stores are they all like communicate with each other? All right. Maybe <clears throat> maybe. So then she's That's all like, funny. "Listen, I, I I can't get caught again shoplifting. So here's my address, and you can come over to my address, and you know, okay, you're not gay, are you? Okay, you're not. Okay, well, you know, you know, you know, you can do this stuff. And he's all like, "Okay, well, what the fuck's the address?" He's going, "Okay, I write it down." It's like, and then she just leaves. And I was like, "Okay, so this I've seen this movie before, but this is like a totally different movie." Okay, this is like, uh, all right, this is like one of them Pornhub movies over here, brother. Yeah. All right, this is in the back copy. So basically, basically, when I saw the movie this time, I didn't remember that scene, and I watched it this time, and yeah. So she, I mean, she was basically just like, "Yeah, hey, you know, I don't really want to go to jail, so uh, give me your address, and I'll come over." And he, you know, and you know, he's, he's like, "You're not gay or anything, right?" And he's like, "No." And and then she's like, "He's he's like, okay, here you go." Yeah. So, like, he didn't even think about it. Like, he's just like, "Okay, that's fine. I'll just let you go if we can fuck." Yeah, exactly. He's like, "All right, I'll be there at eight or something." He didn't even say that. He's like, "All right, I'll just show up one day." <laughs> All right, I'll be right, there. whatever. So then she leaves with some dude on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So now we have Peter. He is going to Rome. So he's going from New York to Rome. All right, mm-hmm. to do a big uh, book tour deal. Yeah. So this is another weird scene. This is all like the first like ten minutes too. Like so now we have the same girl at least. She 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 gets dropped out by the motorcycle guy. And she's like walking home, right? And she just get like randomly attacked by some homeless guy. And yeah. she's like, she's, like to, yeah. fighting her and shit like that and grabbing her and she's like I mean like no nobody in sight trying to help her ass out like she just pushes the guy and she locks herself she goes in she's like okay just a normal day coming home she she meets some girl named Carla outside about the fucking uh, uh, the, the, the dryer was out or something she's like oh yeah everything's fine dryer's out I just had a homeless guy try to fucking attack me and rip my clothes off no problem Yeah. so then she day. goes she goes to change right and she's like okay maybe now I'll do the phone call after I changed I'm all comfortable now. So she goes to the phone, and then the homeless guy scares her. So she drops the phone down. And she's like going back for it. Then we see the black glove of doom take her yeah. ass, push her against the wall, and fucking like has the book. Did she get to keep the book after she stole it or something? Or did the guy bring the um, book yeah. over there? No, she got to keep the book. Remember, okay. he just let her go. That's true. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll let you keep the book. I'll come over there and give you some dick later. Right. So the the, the, the the black glove killer takes the pages of the book and puts it in her fucking mouth and then, like, fucking stabs her in the throat. And he kept doing that shit for a couple of times and eventually, like, stabs her. And the homeless guy's like, oh, yeah, I should be seeing this. And he goes away. <laughs> Shouldn't be seeing this. Yes. So, so now we got our first kill. This girl, she's gone. So now we have Peter. He arrives in Rome now. And this is when mm-hmm. we kind of figure out he's a little bit big of a deal because there's like paparazzi there trying to take pictures and shit of him. And he was being, bro, this guy was like, oh, hey, I'm here. Look at me. So kind of guy. <laughs> so we have some person slip a little fucking note under the door that has mm-hmm. Peter's name on it. And then we have a uh, the news reporter trying to ask him some questions while he's walking. Like, you know, it kind of felt like, 
<laughs> it kind of felt like a rest. Well, no. You know, when wrestlers go to the airport and they have some dick fucking put, like, I'm surprised there wasn't some, like, you know, some fucking fan out there. Hey, sign my book so I can put it on the uh, 1980s Italian eBay, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So, but there wasn't. Just news reporters yep. asking questions, like the good old days. Yeah. Poor so, people are crazy. So now, uh, Peter, he's like this little room with like his, uh, his, uh, uh, his boy, the, uh, the agents there. And you have a couple of reporters. Then we have this girl, um, uh, what's her name? Tilda. And she is, Tilda. yeah, she is like, she's like a reporter and she just goes and starts asking him questions, basically saying, Hey, why is all your fucking shit ha- sexist? You got all these <laughs> fucking women on here. <laughs> All right, and they're fucking. They're all like, "Why is there some sort of heroic Italian male, who's the who's the the hero, and all your women are a bunch of dumb bitches getting slaughtered all the time?" <laughs> That's basically right, which what is exactly saying. what. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is basically what people were saying about Argento and what yeah. I was talking about last week. Like almost everyone in his movies is a female in his movie yeah. is just a victim. They're just all like dumb bitches. You know? Yeah, and then like this is a little strange too. So he's kind of like being a little nervous about it. I was like, no, no, I'm not. He's like blowing it off. She's like, yeah, yeah, I got facts over here. Here they are and shit. And then he's like, kind of mm-hmm. like gives the eye to his uh, his uh, his uh, agent, and the agent kind of like, yeah. oh yeah, we, we'll set you up on a one-on-one meeting with him later. And then like he just goes up to her. He's like, oh yeah, that was good. Uh, your mother would be very proud. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then the guy's like, hey, look at my hat. Look how great my hat. I was like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he, like so she so she she get she like just like tries to destroy him over his, his 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 women and his books and then after that he's like oh that was that was a great interview that was a great interview but I mean I guess he I guess he likes the maybe he likes the controversy yeah I guess. you know what I mean like yeah sell yeah, more man, books yeah because because yeah he sells more books yeah the guy's talking about his dumb hat I was like what the hell's going on his here dumb hat so now they're outside and they were asking hey was that creepy guy in the quarter. Oh yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. You got an interview with him. He's a book reporter. I was like, oh, <laughs> a great fucking book reporter. Oh my god, the vein of my existence. <laughs> Just imagine that guy. Yeah, on chapter forty-two, motherfucker. You said this. What did you mean? What did you mean, a little? Huh? What did you mean, brother? On when the guy came into the room, the little the little switchblade, brother. What did, what did you? It's like, oh boy, here we go. What did you? What you? Like, I don't mm-hmm. even remember chapter forty-two. So now the agent is going on. So so uh, our boy uh, Peter is trying to look for Anne. He's like, oh, yeah, she's mm-hmm. around here. You know, we didn't want to have a big deal of you. You know, apparently, like, all these uh, these people of Rome, they're, like, buying your books, but they don't want you to be too successful. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. weird. I was like, bro, you could tell our job just putting these lines in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's a, like, I mean, you could tell. Like, you could tell so much he was doing, like, those little lines in there. Especially that one. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right for sure. So I noticed, I noticed those little lines he puts in there like right away. So because I kind of like already knew some backstory, like we were talking about in the movie. So I was like picking up on right. pretty well. Um. So, so eventually they meet up with Anne, and then this is when our boy, uh, uh, the agent, Bulmer, introduces us to his, uh, I guess, side assistant, and it's gonna be John. So John is basically there to take care of Peter's needs. Kind of like a young guy, kind of like an agent in training. Um, yeah. So yes. So um, also too, apparently like all Peter's books are selling very well as well too. But then Peter also says he has a present for Anne, and he opens up his bag, the one that got switched out, 
and he sees like a, a messed up shirt and a broken watch. And then you just hear this voice, oh, who the hell would do that? Right. And we never kind of like... The clothes had blood, blood on them, I guess. That's what I, what I took yeah, from but like, I was like, blood. But this did it really like come up? Like we know... I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess it, this did like... I, did you know the plot point for this bag? Of the, the, the significance no. of the... I, I kind of have an idea, but maybe I'll say it at the end. Yeah. No, I, I did not really know because it kind of disappears out of the plot for yes. the most part. Because they don't really bring up the watch and stuff. I mean, maybe they do, but... It, so anyway. So they go to the hotel mm. room. This is uh, Peter's hotel. And this is when he goes in there. This is when we, feed, we meet our two agents. Okay? And I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna fucking attempt to try to say this uh, main cop detective agent's name. Uh, but he's basically okay. a uh, he's a he's a fanboy of our boy Peter's work. And then we have the mm-hmm. uh, we have the guy agent. We have the girl agent. So the guy agent says, yeah. "Hey, you know, we were just out to leave. We were just seeing if we were here, and uh, we just want to ask you a little questions. That's okay." And they're they're basically telling about that girl who died, the Alicia girl who died and stuff. And if you maybe have any you know ideas of who might have wanted to kill her or anything like that. And mm-hmm. our Peter boy Peter's like, oh yeah, this is like you know, kind of strange and stuff. And I like how the assistant Anne was like, oh I would offer you a drink, but you don't drink on the job. He's like, that's the only time I do drink is on the job. <laughs> What a great response, right? She's like, okay, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you this fucking drink then. <laughs> and, then and then basically Peter's like, listen, I'm like new to this country. I have no idea who this fucking girl is. Okay? Yeah. And I like how they try to show him his picture. like, nah, get that shit away from me. Mm. So so now then, then our boy Peter starts to be a little smart. Okay? Well, well, first, our first guy's like, yeah, she got stabbed like forty times and stuff. Forty times, yeah. Like, Damn, okay. And uh, she was, she had the reason they're there because the, the 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 all the pages of the book were stuffed into her mouth. And our boy, the right. cop, is like, hey, you know, I, I've been reading your book, but don't <laughs> spoil the ending. I haven't got past it yet. <laughs> well, maybe you should finish it. Yeah. I know who the killer is. And she was also killed with like a knife too. And then our boy Peter, now he starts to be a little wise ass. He's like, hey, let me ask you guys a question. If the fucking somebody got killed with a Smith Smith West revolver, do you go mm. do you go and talk and interrogate the president of Smith West? I was like, oh boy. And then this, yeah. This, so, this, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's right, I guess. But, <laughs> he's right. So basically, that's that's Argento speaking again, right? Because he's like yeah. he's, he's saying Basically, he's saying like, "Well, if somebody watches one of my movies and it kills somebody, is it my fault that they killed somebody?" Yeah. Um, but that's also like a thing about the gun debate today, too, right? Like they're yeah. talking about like Smith and Wesson, and it's like, "Well, if somebody buys a Smith and Wesson gun and kills somebody, do you go interrogate the president of Smith and Wesson?" So, are you know, are, are manufacturers or creators responsible for what people do with the things they make? Yeah. Um, and then yeah. our uh, our male detective is uh, nice with his comeback. He's like, "Well, I love all your books." <laughs> it's like he says, "Hey, uh, it's like I just started that Tanabre one, and um, I just noticed that the victim it was killed with a razor." Oh yeah, but also we found his letter on the floor too. So here it is. Can you open it up for us? <laughs> and then the, they they it's opened just the weird letter that yeah. 
I was gonna say it's weird that they would think that he had anything to do with it. Well, they're not, yeah. not saying that he had anything to do with it. Yeah, they just want some clues. They're maybe. Just, yeah, they're just like, why would they think that he would know that? But anyway, I guess it makes the plot go fat, go go a different way. So the the Reddit leads. There's only one answer to the theory that tortured him, and apparently it's a passage from our boy Peter's book, the Tenabre book, brother. Yep. So now the cops like, all right, I don't want your state to be a nightmare or anything. So if you see, if you get any more of these letters, which you will, you probably get a lot more. Just show them to me, and we'll work <laughs> together. I was like, okay, fuck. Yeah, you could tell, like, you know, you could tell Dario's like, okay, we gotta add all this shit in there. So it's like, oh yeah, we do got something. Uh, my travel bag was all weird and stuff. And then the room randomly mm-hmm. gets a call, and. And then John John is now assigned to get the things that were missed out of Peter's bag. And then they get a call, and it's actually the killer saying, Freedom strikes again, gets a call. Can you see what's, what, what, what you know, she got she got other plans and stuff. And uh, um, you could tell Peter's trying to keep him on the phone and stuff. And the cops are trying to, like, you know, trace the call. And they eventually run, run, uh, hang up, and they because the the, the 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 person says, "I can see you with another woman in the room." So they realize that they're calling from the phone booth. So they all run down to the phone booth, but it runs off away. Yep. Not there. Yes. And then our boy, the agent, he complains about running. <laughs> so I wasn't really sure <laughs> what this scene was when I watched it. So I, I we figured out what it was later, but it was kind of weird. So I'm just gonna read my notes here. Okay. So it this looked it looked like the homeless guy was like throwing up behind like a shadow wall. <laughs> but it but yeah, I figured I mean, that's pretty much what. But that's what it looked like to me. But now I, I realized yeah. it was just some sort of like dream sequence. But at the time, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, why are we going back, coming back to this homeless guy puking or something? So this thing was really weird, and I don't know what kind of fantasies our boy Argento has, but this is probably is one of them. <laughs> okay? So we see our girl, that we talked about earlier, with the beach girl. Uh, yeah. She has some, We see some red shoes, brother. Some yeah. red shoes diary on here, brother. The, the the red shoes are on there, and they're on like a like a little tent thing. And there's like four mm-hmm. dudes that are like younger than her. she is. And she's like mm-hmm. moving around shit. And then she like goes to the beach. She just slowly starts taking her, t- her top off, brother. And then, mm-hmm. like, she, like, goes on her knees, and these three dudes just, like, come up to him so all I can see is her crotches. Yeah. Like, they have, like, they're, they're not naked. They have, like, these white pants on. And, like, this girl's, like, just on her knees with her tit out. And then one dude comes over to her, <laughs> slaps her ass. And then all yeah. the three people beat his ass up. Yeah. And that was it. I was like, what the that fuck's going yeah. on over here? First of all, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then we find out, we actually find out what this is later. And yeah, I have I mean, so It's many, all leading to the ending yes. of the movie, yes. And I have so many questions. So we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> uh, so. And then we have the, uh, the girls with the red shoe. She like uh, she attacks him a little bit and she puts the little red shoe in his mouth. And I couldn't tell if the guy was liking her or not. 
And then we have some 80s music going on here. Okay, so this is one of my favorite scenes. So we have that, that lesbian reporter from earlier. All right. What was her name? Fucking uh, Tilda or something like Tilda. that. Yeah. She mm. is meeting <clears throat> with her friend. All right. Uh, Maria. No, not Maria. Marianne. Sorry. Her friend. Uh, Marion. Yeah. Marion. Marion. Mm. And <laughs> they're at like, I don't know if this is like a sex club or something, sex club or something, but you know, first, first, first thing we see is like the girl's like, the guy's like, I'm not going to take a bunch of pictures of you. And then she just like walks away. Okay. Then it cuts to her in there. And, uh, uh, Marion, she is all like, you know, she goes up to a guy who's playing like some like art, old school arcade game. And she's like, yeah. hey, he's cute and stuff. She's like, and then the girl, like, she's mad about it. She's like, but she's like, you know, you promised. You promised. You know, you said you wouldn't complain. And she's all like, by mm. the way, he doesn't have a place, so I'm taking her back to our place. She's like, what the hell? She's like, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Just give me an hour. All right? Mm. And she fucking kisses yeah. her on the lip a little bit. And she's like, heads off mm-hmm. there. And then this fucking nerd guy who kind of looks like Borat starts sitting next to her, says some shit that I didn't even understand at all what they were talking about. And she just said, okay, and that was it. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that leads into the next scene. Yeah. Well, not ne- the very next scene, but yeah, it, the, it, the, the, it, we, it leads it explains into what happens. Yes. Yeah. So this is when we have Anne and we have Peter. You could tell there's some sort of like sexual tension between these two. Uh, they come from a party and Peter wants her to stay for some drinks. So now we're back with our girl Tilda and she is at home and she's kind of like by like her <clears throat> study and there's some stairs there. Yeah. And then Miriam <clears throat> comes out there, tit, hanging out, no problem, just got done fucking. Yeah. And she's like, you're a fucking whore, all this stuff. And, you know, there's this going back to her, like, I don't want to talk to your little whore face or shit like that. <laughs> and then fucking uh, Miriam's just like, he's like, this guy was making love with me. He made you look pathetic. Yeah, and then she he thought, fucked way better than you do. Yeah, fucking through the case, I was like, okay, we're getting some drama over here, brother. All right, we haven't had we are, we are having some good drama in a while. All right, we finally, yeah. you know, those supernatural films don't got no drama, brother. This is all the drama right no here. No drama. Okay. Yeah. So there's a little vase out here. She goes upstairs. Our girl Tilda. She hears like a noise in there, so she opens up the fucking curtains. Then we get some of our break time of '80s cool music. Yeah, this is the go- this is Goblin. So she's playing Goblin on her uh, turntable. Yeah, which I don't blame yeah, her. Why not? Exactly, exactly. So we got this whole scene of like sh- shot all from like the the outside going upstairs, showing Miriam yeah. up there and everything. And so this is kind of a big deal. Yeah. So this so he got the idea from this. Uh, Argento did from. Um, uh, Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock's film Rope, and um, but Rope has a really long tracking shot in it like that. That is, but it was cut in the middle. Like there's a really clever edit in it where he he edited it. this this shot right here that we're about to see is two and a half minutes long, and it's one single shot. And they did it with a Luma crane, which was like really hadn't been used in Italy. I don't think at all at this point. But it was like it's like this crane that you can put a camera on. And it would like move wherever you wanted it to. So he like starts like outside her window 
and climbs up to her window and then like goes inside the window and then back out and then across the roof of the house all the way to the other side. I mean, it's, it's an amazing shot. I mean, nothing like that had ever been done before. And now it would be easy to do. Yeah. But back then they actually had to do it with a camera and a crane that moved all the way across the house, which is why it has some of these weird shots in it. Like if you think about it, like, like a lot of it, not a lot of it, but some of it's just like a close up of the tiles on the roof and then like, you know, the side of the building or whatever. But like it, it goes all the way across the roof of the house down to the other side where you see the black glove killer like cutting his way into the house. But I mean, it's amazing. Like um, the American version of that cut part of it out and it plays that goblin song all the way through it while it's while they're craning over the top of the house. Like you just have to see it. I mean, maybe we can put That's it on cool. the Facebook page. Yeah, I'll see if I can um, find it. It's, it's, it's awesome. It, yeah. I mean, it it's amazing. Like, this shot scene. is absolutely amazing when you think about like, how hard that yeah. would have been to do in 1982. Yeah, and I didn't, um, and I'm like, I didn't put her name down, so I just called her Naked Towel Girl. Yeah. On my notes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that girl is beautiful. Like, whoever yeah. played Marion is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I was like, where is she at, brother? All right. <laughs> so, I should have used her more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was good. Like, I mean, she, the way she, I, I, yeah, she was very short in this film, but I could tell, like, you know, you could probably do something with her. Um, mm-hmm. So now Tilda's like saying, turn that shit down. <laughs> and this is when yeah, the, the goblin the, down. Yeah, this is when the killer slips in, and it, the killers kept saying "pervert, pervert" and stuff. And I was like, "Pervert? What the fuck did she did this girl do with the pervert?" So this is when we get the famous. The, the girl was putting the uh, her shirt on, and the black glove killer kills her through her shirt. That's when we get the little eyeball yeah. poking through the shirt that's on the poster from this death scene right here. Yeah. And it was a cool, cool scene. wasn't my favorite one of the movie, but it was a cool one. I like my, uh, I like my notes here. Tal Tick Girl gets nervous, turns off music. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, girl Marion, she turns, off, yeah. she turns off the music, and she's asking mm-hmm. for uh, Tilda. And then eventually, the gla- the 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 deadly black glove killer breaks through there and starts fucking. Stabbing her with that razor blade, and eventually she pushes her on some glass because we have to have a bunch of glass and Italian mystery murder films. And her basically she gets turned on the glass, and her head's kind of like put the kind of like not not put through the glass, but it's like hanging off the glass. Yeah, pretty cool. You know, pretty crazy scene because she's going down the stairs and stuff, and she's the friend dead, yeah. and then she runs up, and then that's when the killer attacks her. Yeah, and like her head like like goes through the glass and it's like hanging hanging backwards kind of yeah or like she's on her back kind of hanging upside down sort of but yeah the two posters for the movie are the are from both from the scene the one where yeah. the it where it cuts through the shirt with the razor blade and then you can see her face her eye through the shirt and the other one is Marion's face after the glass kills her yeah so this is when we cut to a scene where we're seeing the Tenebre book and the pics mm-hmm. of all the dead girls and this is like basically the killer's room, and he's cleaning off his blade. So now Neil is calling this a repair man, and uh, the repair I guess his w- w- hot water heater or something is broken. And uh, the daughter comes up, which you meet the daughter. Her name is um, Mariana, Maria. That's right. So her Maria, name is yeah, Ma- yeah. her name is Maria, and I guess she offered to come fix it, but she wanted five thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Sounds okay. Right. That was weird. 
<laughs> so she goes, uh, so now we have a ring at her Peter's door. She comes up. He's like, creepy old man staring at her. And she's like, oh, yeah, where's mm. your bathroom at? Because she needs to go check on the reader to the to the bathroom. So he, like, follows her to the whole bathroom and restroom and everything. And she's, like, mm. telling him, like, oh, yeah, you're, like, the famous book guy. I see your books in the fucking bookstore all the time. He's like, oh, okay. So then she goes to another place, and she's like, oh, yeah, I fixed your heater. She leaves. And shows up. She's like, oh, I see you're starting early. He's like, that one's jailbait. <laughs> okay. Wow. We got it. Yeah. So he's like, you're just mm. fixing my water. I didn't have all, I couldn't sleep and stuff. And she's all in. Then now he's being like celebrity guy. I can't sleep. I need a better pillow. Just being a little bitch. All right. It's Peter guy, bro. I swear. So this, this scene is actually pretty interesting because of something I, I didn't know at the time, but I thought it was kind of interesting. So the killer is trying to come to, um, to Peter's room to slot another note because, you know, he killed more girls. And we, but he can't do it because they see two repairmen. And you know that one of the repairmen was Lamberto Baba. Well, I did not know that. Yeah. So he he made a little, yeah, he made a little, uh, he was uncredited, but one of them was Lamberto Baba in the scene. I think it's the one with the mustache, but I could be wrong because I'm not exactly sure Mm -hmm. what the dude looks like. Um, but I thought that part was pretty cool. So eventually the, uh, the killer comes and slides that note in there, leaps. And then uh, um, Peter and Anne are talking a little bit, and they find the note. And they're like, oh, this wasn't here two seconds ago. And then he fucking runs outside, looks around, doesn't see anything. And so now they read a note. And I didn't really get this one, but I guess. So something. I think it said, so passes over glory of Lesbos. So. Yes. So, and then what does he say right after that? He was just like, he didn't really, I I, I think he said it was in his book, but I, I'm not exactly sure. Something about mm, it. I thought he's, I can't remember, I should have written that down, but I thought he said it was a quote from something. Yeah. Um, because the, the Isle of Lesbos is near Greece is like where they, you get, where we get the word lesbian from. Yeah. Um, so, and then like, he just killed those two women that were, that were in a relationship with each other. So that, that's what I, I'm, you know, that's what that was alluding to. Yeah. I'm sure. And he's like, he wasn't really too sure about it, but he's like, apparently the, he's like, maybe the guys, you know, the killer was killed again. So we see like this, uh, we see the, the detective, the guy detective talking over with this, um, nerdy looking, uh, uh, what do you call those guys in the. A bit, what do you call those guys down there in the basement? Check out dead bodies. Some, some um, well, it's down there checking with the guy who checks dead bodies. Yeah, he's basically saying <laughs> that, that. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> he's basically saying that yes, the these two these two these two women that just got killed, they got killed by the same razor blade that the first girl got talked to. And the guy was like, hey, did you ever talk to the fucking uh, boyfriend? Because one of those girls just had sex lately. It's usually the boyfriend. So, right. I don't mm-hmm. think they even questioned that guy who fucked the Marion. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, now... it could have been that guy, right? Yeah. I mean, you never know. So apparently Anne gets a call from the, uh, the, the, the cop. And he gives it over to Peter. He's basically saying, hey, there's been uh, more killings out here. And... Uh, and then uh, the base of the agent is down. He's he's trying to get a drink during this whole stuff. And 
so Peter is now going to be doing uh, an interview with that same book reporter guy. So, because mm-hmm. I basically Peter was like, "Hey, you know, I'll talk to the, I'll talk to you later about the killings and stuff. But I got to do this. Re- I got to do this uh, interview." So he meets with the book reporter, which uh, Christ- uh, Christina Allo, Christina Allo, is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably didn't butcher it, which I probably did. Close enough. So the big thing about this one is you could tell this guy was a big fan of Peter's. And he wanted to ask some, like, in-depth questions. But our boy Peter didn't really want to do this right now because he thought it was going to be one of them soft interviews. Okay? So, Mm -hmm. because this is like a pre-interview. Like, they were supposed to go on TV and do, like, a little book report interview, but the guy wanted to know, like, a little information beforehand. And his big thing was about the, um, the the pervert nature of the the story (laughs) and talking about how, like the killer was like insane and everything. And then, um, uh, so, so Peter was trying to, um, pretty much say like, you know, the guy was just an insane killer. Like he didn't have like any like perverted motive and motives and stuff. He was just an insane killer. But our boy Cristiano was all like, he, he was all about the perverted nature. Like he, he felt like this killer was killing for like a purpose. You know, like a like he had like a purpose out there to kill, and he wanted to get rid of all the the smut and the perverted sickness of humanity. And and a boy and our boy Peter's like, well, okay, you're getting kind of deep over here with it, but you know, I was just trying to portray like this guy, like he was he came from a good background. He yeah, he might have been gay, but he there was nothing problem with him. He just kind of like he would just went insane one day. And this guy, Christian, he was not having it. He's like, well, I'm a fucking Christian, so that shit don't, that, that, that doesn't relate with me. So That don't so, work for me, brother. Yeah, so basically what I think what Argento and all of them are trying to portray is, is this guy was basically taking the story and molding it to his beliefs. You know, yeah. which we kind of do with stories. I could see that. But like this guy was like really taking it to heart, which we'll see that come up later. So then that's when Peter starts like, ah, oh, I got to do this other, you know, I thought it was going to be like a quick little interview and stuff. So they go on set and they do the whole set interview. And then during this, um, the cops come over, the, 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 the agent come up, comes over and she, he talks to um, Peter's agent and they start talking a little bit. And he was basically saying, oh, I try to, you know, I try to help out Peter. You know, he gets really sensitive about these kind of things. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I bet you uh, take 10% of all this stuff, don't you? So they're just going back and forth, getting to know each other. So they go outside to talk a little bit. So now Peter is talking with Ann and stuff. And Peter asks if, like, you know, you know, he kind of says, like, maybe I should never you know, wrote this book and stuff. Because all these murders that just happened from it. She's like, oh, you don't you know, mean that shit. Mm-hmm. So then, like, the girl Maria, she comes inside, and she's like, oh, looks like you already have a typewriter. Anyway, hey, John, let's go hang out. Okay. Is that a proposal? Yes. Okay. And they leave. I like, okay. That was random. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a lot of random stuff yes. in this movie. And then, so check this one out. Speaking of random, so our boy is probably, like, what, on, like, the fifth floor of the hotel, maybe? Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. So from the fifth yeah, floor, he looks all the way down at a moving car. I was like, oh, that's fucking Jane. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. 
Oh, oh thank you. Oh, so you're <laughs> Superman now. Okay. You can just see yeah, it. I'm, I'm sure you can see that <laughs> far. I'm sure. And then Anne's like, what the fuck? Jane stuff. It's like, that's not Jane. She's in New York. It's like, okay, well, let's call her. Get her fucking answering machine. It's like, oh, you got her answer machine. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. She's like, he's like, and Peter's like, so he's like, yeah, if fucking Jane was here, she would have told me. Yeah. It's like, then you just hang up on her like in the, okay. Anyway. So now we have, uh, now Anne, she's basically saying she's leave. She's going to leave and she goes to a parking lot alone. It looks like she gets scared by a homeless guy. Number two, that's where I wrote my notes. And she, uh, she drives away. So it looks like she was about to get killed, but she wasn't. And then Peter's still looking out the window because he swear he saw Jane. And we have the killer's glove looking through some pics. It looks like he was looking through like a like one of those prostitute girls' pics. So and he eventually leaves the house. And he goes to the where I wrote my notes. He goes to Hooker Row. Alright. And he sees the hooker from his picture. But then she gets picked up by somebody else. Okay. So now, this is a random scene, too. So, uh, Maria. How is she... I, I don't know really how this... We didn't see what happened, but basically she's pissed off at John. Alright? And she's like, fuck you and shit. And then John just drives away. And she curses at him. I was like, well, what the fuck what happened? They were like in love for like two seconds, and now they're not. Now they're not. Like that's also another trait of like Argento. We always have some like young Italian guy on a bicycle being a dick to a woman. Yeah, I did, right. I mean, I'm wondering if it's just like, you know, maybe there's a. Hey, you there? Yeah, here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So I, I dropped out again. Um, it's almost. It's all. Maybe it's like there's like a. Uh, you know, a lot of. In Europe, there's a lot of bike riding. People need don't drive everywhere yeah. like they do here. So maybe it just has to do with like you know this guy happened to be on a bike because that's what a lot of young people would be doing. But but yeah, you're right. There is a lot of like young guys on bikes, like you know, breaking up with women, which is kind of weird because this this scene's almost kind of random too. Yeah. So this is a this is a weird scene too. So Maria's all pissed off now. She's just a dog, yeah. fucking Doberman dog, just like fucking yelling at her. So she starts like, yeah, fuck you, dog. Do like a gate fence and shit. She's like, so she's taunting this fucking dog. So now she's leaving. And apparently this dog took like some sort of like super serum because it can like <laughs> jump past a, was it what, was it a five foot fence or something? Like some like, high up fence. It's, it's a pretty big fence. Yeah. yeah. And then it like jumps over the fence and starts chasing her. Chasing her ass. And she did a whole big yeah. old chasing scene. Dog like bites her for a little bit. And she eventually goes to an area with a pool. And then she's about to go into a door and the dog bites her fucking again. And then she gets yeah. inside this this little underground uh, storage area. And she's going down there. And this was the, the killer's home. Because it has all those pictures yeah. we saw from earlier. And she's like going... <laughs> the way she's going to the pictures is kind of funny too. She's like looking at it. I was like, okay, I just got bitten by a dog. The dog's outside. Kind of, remind, kind of reminded me of Resident Evil. We had those demon dogs outside. Yeah. You can't get rid of them. And then she's yeah. like going to this picture. She's like, oh, yeah. And she's just like grabs the pictures and just fucking shoves it in her pants. <laughs> like, we don't fold these pictures. No, bro. <laughs> we're just going to fucking shove it in there. Okay? Yeah, we just shove the whole thing in her pants. Yeah. Like, I think that so this scene is kind of a, a 
it's kind of um, what I was talking about when I was talking about Argento movies and like Italian gallows in general is like the only reason this dog chase scene happens is to get her inside this house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing like he, he created this long, long dramatic, you know, dog scene where she's getting chased by a Doberman just to get her inside the house. Yeah, brother. Well, what'd you, what, what would you have her do? Get chased by squirrels? Come on, brother. Well, no. I mean, she could just be like, I don't know. Maybe she just notices something and then like, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it worked. I mean, you know, it, oh. it gave her a reason to be there. The only thing that I'm still figuring out is what did, what did, in the time between an hour or two, what did John do to piss her off? That's what I want to know. Right, exactly. Well, like a quicker way to do it would be she could be walking down the street and all of a sudden it becomes like, you know, a sudden rainstorm. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to duck in here while it rains coming. Yeah. So she's trying to figure out places to, how to get out of there, but she eventually finds a door and it leads her up to the main part of the house. And then, so she's, and so tell me this makes any sense. Maybe she just wasn't thinking because she didn't get, get mm. talked about a dog. So, you know, obviously she asked yeah. if anybody was there. Nobody answered. So you're in a stranger's house. You got a crazy dog outside mm. and you, you go up to a stranger's house. You look around, everybody's there. Would you try to escape through the front door or would you, would you A, try to escape through the front door and get out of this strange person's house, maybe hopefully the dog's outside, or would you B, try to call somebody from inside the house? Oh, well, I would probably try to call somebody, I guess. Yeah. So this, that's what our girl uh, Maria did. And then she mm-hmm. noticed there's a shadowy figure by her. Then the guy, she's like, oh, I didn't see you there and stuff. How this dog attack me and shit? And then the guy puts up his razor and she's like oh shit so then she like fucking runs away the shadowy figure tries to attack her she uses a little yeah. sliding glass door to knock his hand and the fucking razor falls out of his hand goes into the pool so this guy's like well fuck this razor i'm gonna grab an axe all right and he starts chasing her ass down with the fucking axe mm-hmm. she eventually slips and then she's like oh fuck i'm gonna get axed and then she gets axed Yep, and all the papers and all the one. shit falls down. And this this art was this scene was weird too, because I'm not sure how far away she got to run because she did she did climb over the gate to the guy's property and run out to the field. So he followed mm-hmm. her to the field. She fell. He axed her. All the pictures of all his shit are down there. And then you just see the next morning like this guy in a mow, <laughs> the little mower, just like stop. <laughs> so that's how we found the victim is some guy mowing out there. Well, you know, that, that makes sense to yeah. me. That part does. So now, uh, so now Peter gets like this huge house letter, but we never really see what it says. And some mm-hmm. of it was just saying like, you know, he, the person grieves for this child. Uh, I will get rid of all this perverted, uh, all this perverted people out there and the main culprit, the main, the main perverted culprit. The cop's like, oh, he's probably talking about you, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's coming out to you. He's like, oh, man, should I be worried and stuff? And he's all like, you know. So basically, Peter's like saying, like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, a little bit nervous about this and stuff. And and uh, he's like, yeah. And then the cop's like, well, this is kind of weird because apparently this this killer, kind of like, you know, he, he seems like he knows a little bit about you because he knows where to find your building at. And he knew that you were associated with this Maria girl. So Peter, he basically wants to leave now, 
And the cop's like, oh yeah, by the way, I finished your book. It was pretty good, but uh, hey, I found the killer on page 30, so he wasn't as exciting as the other ones. What the fuck? <laughs> Although that was pretty funny. So this is another interesting scene because I know small little details. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so P- Peter basically didn't want like and he, he said he had to go. He basically didn't want this agent's this fanboy agent's help anymore. So he yeah. goes and he's talking to Anne and John, and you never seen a happier person than John. So it is weird because like obviously they know Maria dead, and this guy's not even grieving at all. He's like, oh, fuck that bitch. Right? Fuck her. Okay. <laughs> He's all happy. He's like, oh, yeah, let's do this detective work and stuff. Everything's all gravy and shit. Like, he doesn't get sad until later on. But, like, at this scene, he's like, okay, he found out that his... I don't know if he was even dating that girl. So, I was like, okay, the bitch is dead. Who cares? So, they're going through the... They're going through um, Peter, Ann, and John. They're going through, like, a lot of, like, pinpoints and stuff of what the killer's notes and stuff. And John... So, Peter is, like, kind of remembering... What that reporter guy said, uh, that book reporter guy, the Cristiano guy was saying about all the perversion mm-hmm. stuff, because he was bringing right. up all that stuff and all this stuff is in the notes. So he kind of put two to two together. It's like, hey, it's like what what I'm what I should do is, and then they, he he brings out a fucking map, like this whole fucking map. He's all like, okay, so Maria died there, and that guy's house is mm-hmm. there. So there you go. Yeah. It's like there's the killer, and then they're like, oh, should we tell the cops about this now? Nah. We can't tell the cops nah. about this. But just think about it. If I'm right, famous Peter Neal was right about the murder case. That'll sell a lot of books. That'll put a little asses in the seats. <laughs> so basically, he wants to take credit for the murder part that happened. But, 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 but this does get explained about why he didn't want to tell the cops later on. Yeah, it does. It so does. Like, they do so tell like, us why. Does. So it's not just a random scene. So now Peter and John, they're driving um, around. They see lots of cops, and they say something about 10 a.m. The cops are out, be out here. And then uh, Anna, Anna, she's watching a news story about the killer as well, too. And then she leaves in a red car. A lot of red stuff in here. And then she is about mm-hmm. to leave in the car, and then she sees Jane drive off. And then she's like, oh, shit, that's Jane over there. And then she tries to go up to her room and call Jane on her landline. Bro, if only we had cell phones back in the day, brother. Not yet. And then Jane, after that, she just goes back into her car and drives off. Uh, but when she leaves... <laughs> I like my notes here. When she leaves the room, Castlevania music starts playing. Yeah. And we see some sharp glass, brother. So John is now going to the house um, with... Uh, John, John and Peter, they're both going to the to the house. And John's like, oh, yeah, I've been broken into a house since I was six years old. I was like, fuck, man, really? Wow. Yeah, that was really. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we also see the, the killer guy. He is now burning pictures. Okay? Yeah. And we noticed that uh, the Cristiano guy's house was the same house that Maria was, was at earlier. So they're like kind of like just like hanging out by like the by the bush. And they're just like, John and Peter are talking. And they eventually, out of the corner of their eye, they see the killer. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit, there's, somebody is actually in there. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I don't think he saw us and stuff. And it's basically, we, we find out now the person inside the house is the uh, the Cristiano guy. 
the report the book reporter he's kind of like looking out there and stuff he doesn't see anything he goes back inside and then peter's like okay i'm gonna go up a little closer i'm gonna take a little little more of a look all right and peter's like oh yeah just be careful so all the lights go out and the the book the book reporter guy he's like looking around and then he eventually like says something kind of like through his like breath and then he randomly just gets axed in the head and then John sees all this shit and he's like fucking traumatized. Fucking Maria dying, his his lover didn't get him traumatized, but seeing this guy axed in the head, it got him all traumatized. And then he tries to run away and shit. And Peter's down. Apparently Peter got attacked. And he was bloody up a little bit. And Peter didn't know what happened. And they, they both leave and they get out of there. So John basically didn't say shit. He didn't see shit at all. Like, he didn't see what the killer was doing or nothing. He just saw, like, a shadowy figure. And P- Peter said he got, you yeah. know, he's, he's knocked out clean. So all he was remembering was about some dumb story about a school bus. All right, and, and, then, and then Angela's like, okay. Yeah. She's, like, saying, okay, well, well we, we should probably go both back to New York now. And then Peter should- pretty much is, is agreeing. Like, yeah, we should probably should get out of here. But yeah, like for some reason, John didn't see the killer at all, even though he's standing right in front of a window while a guy killed somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's basically saying all he saw was the axe going to the guy's head. But you know, he, yeah. he later on he does remember a little bit more stuff. Mm. <clears throat> so now John is like, he's like cries and shit, and he's like in his car. So he's super sad now. It was it wasn't his girl dying. It was just the scene that he saw. So now Peter is left alone with Anne. And they're talking about like, you know, six. Peter basically asked Anne to stay over with them to, for tonight, and he was saying like, "Yeah, we we known each other for like six years, and you have never spent a night once." And she agreed to. And they start talking a little bit about, um, you know, they could have been something, but Jane was always in the way. And then they kiss a little bit. And then Anne, before they were kissed, Anne, she's like, "You got to forget everything that's going to happen this morning." I was like, "Damn, okay." So then we get a little bit of flashback from Red Shoes. She's back. There's like a guy in like the blue, the the bushes and stuff. And there's like some dude in like some like blue suit jacket. And then we see the killer through like the bushes comes out and stabs her ass. The Red Shoes girl. And then Anne wakes up. So it's a little flashback. Every time we see Red Shoes, it's a flashback, brother. Right. So Anna wakes up, asks for Peter, and. Peter is, uh, he's out right now with his agent. He's like talking to his agent. And basically, Peter's like, hey, you know, I want to get out of here. I want to go to Paris. Why don't I go there? And the agent's like, fuck. He's like, brother, just give me two days, brother. Okay. I got this big contract happening. Can you just, can you just give me two days? Okay. Yeah. He's like, I don't know if I can do that, man. Like, it's like, my life is not worth this contract. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the details. He's like, okay, Peter, I, Peter's like, okay, well, I'll call you later. Okay. And so then the agent starts, like, acting a little weird. And then, like, I guess, like, there's some guy named Donald was trying to call him. who's a drunk. He's like, okay, no more phone calls for the rest of the day. Then, like, Peter's agent just opens up the door. And fucking Jane walks in. Looking, like, suspicious. And they just start fucking kissing. So we have one swerve right there. We have our boy Peter's agent oh, yeah. fucking around with his wife, I guess, girlfriend. 
I don't I don't know I don't think they're married. I think that they I don't think they're even in a relationship. I think that they were together, but yeah. now they're kind of not. Um, but yeah, so well, that so comes up later too. So which is agent, well, yeah, it does come up later. But yeah, the agent is like having sex with uh, with Jane. Yes, and she's like, I feel so sleazy. It's like, well, what? Why? <laughs> okay. So it's like, I wonder. I just, it's like, I wonder if he knows about us. Well, we get that answer later. That's for sure. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and then basically the, the agent's like, okay, it won't be long, but hey, do you want to go to lunch later? You know, we can just eat lunch out to the public and stuff. He's like, he ain't going to see us out there in the public. No problem. She's like, yeah, I'll meet you for lunch. No problem. So now, um, yeah, so they agreed to go to lunch. So now John, he doesn't want to go back to the house. Okay, but he has a drive. He's driving. Um, he's driving uh, Peter back to the house because the detective wants to talk to Peter. And Peter's like, "Oh yeah, you don't have to go there. Just don't worry about it." And he's all like, "He's like John's kind of like freaking out about what he, you know." He's like, "He's like, I think I heard something too." You know, John's like kind of remembering little things from me. He's like, "I think I heard something too, but I just can't remember what it is." So he drops. He drops off. Um, they get dropped off, and then this is when Peter he goes to talk to the cop. He's at the house, and they talk about the uh, the book reporter guy and him being so obsessed with him. Um, he, and then the cop is like reading all the stuff that apparently like the 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 Christiana book reporter knew all these little details about Peter, and the fucking book the reporter guys. This guy really knew a lot about your life, didn't he? Yeah, no shit. So, uh... Yeah. So, and then the, the, the cop's like, Hey, what happened to your head? He's like, oh, yeah, nothing, nothing. So, you know, Peter's trying to leave. So, basically, they're talking about, like, Peter's like, okay, you know... There's a bunch of stuff going on here, and I'm proud. Then this is this is like when he does like this little talk about like Peter's like trying to figure out what's going on over here. It's like there's there's a couple of like tiny pieces missing on here. So now they're trying now they're like going over like he's basically saying like you know there's this quote I heard where the impossible is usually the the right answer to everything. Yeah, from from a Sherlock Holmes book. Yes. And he's like saying, maybe, maybe what's not right is right. Maybe what's right is not right. So sometimes the impossible right. being, it could be like the most realist thing. Maybe that's how we got to look at mm. this story of what's going on with these murders and stuff. And the cop's like, oh, you leaving town? He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, the cop's like, I really like your books. Thanks, fanboy. <laughs> what a mark. So now Jane, she gets a package, brother. And you know what? You know what's in her package? What? Red shoes, brother. Oh. The red shoes have made the return in reality now. Yeah, it's all starting to come together. So now the uh, the 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 Peter's agent, Bulmer, he's like waiting outside mm. for a long time for Jane. See some people fighting over there, like two two fights, like a guy fighting a girl, a guy at a restaurant, and a and a, and a guy yelling at his woman. Then some kid comes up to him, stares at him all funny. And then, like, we see, like, this girl, like, walking up to him crying. And then, like, 
Then he just randomly gets stabbed. Like, what, four times in the public? And nobody saw yep. this guy? Nobody saw him get stabbed by anybody? Nope. nope. In broad daylight, this happens. Daylight. Nobody notices. In the middle of the room. Yeah. Then the girl just comes up crying. And then the and then we have Jane shows up with her fucking red shoes. And she's like, oh, nope. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Like literally, like that's. I mean, I did, she didn't say anything. We just saw red shoes walking, and then red shoes walking back. Okay, so yeah. what, what am I supposed to think? She said, "No, fuck right. this." So Anne is now saying, "Hey, do you got all your passports and stuff uh, for Paris ready?" And mm. the 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 cop calls up <laughs> this cop, but he calls him up one more time, and he just wishes him well on his way. And then now John has showed up to drive Peter away. And then John thanks, um, you know, he thanks Peter for really taking care of him and stuff. And then we see a plane leave. So now John goes back to the house. You're know, the one he's on how the the, tra- the trauma in. There's like thunder in the background yeah, John, and everything. Yeah. yeah, John's there. Yeah, not Peter. Peter. Peter's supposedly on an airplane. So mm-hmm. we see the black glove brother, brother takes the car from John's. Uh, Takes takes the keys from John's car. So now John's looking yeah, no, all around. It, Go ahead. Yeah, his name is Johnny. John, Johnny, same fucking thing. Okay, it's the same thing. You're right. It is this fucking thing. kid. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's around. He's looking at the fucking crime scene. There's no like tape there and shit. He's just walking there, no problem. Well, yeah, which I thought was weird too. I mean, maybe uh, that's an Italian thing. Maybe yeah. they don't tape off everything. But he was able to go back to the crime scene yeah. and just like walk around and yeah. look at things. No problem. Anytime. No problem. So he, so now he's like, he has a little flashback, and he's like, the book, the book guy Cristiano was the killer, because he can hear him saying, "It was me, it was me." Like this fucking guy was like screaming, "It was me, it was me! I killed all those women! I killed me! I killed all those women! I killed!" And then he gets axe in the head. Mm. So I was like, okay, wait a minute. So John's wait like. So this guy got axed in the head, but yet he admitted to all these crimes. I maybe I should go tell somebody. Yeah. Alright. So this one's weird. So Anna gets a call from Jane. And she she yeah, they're kinda like bit they're kinda like a little bitter at each other. Cause you know, all that mm-hmm. drama that goes on with Peter and stuff. And then like basically Jane wants and she like says, Yes, I'm here in Rome. I'm not in New York. And I feel like I'm two people right now. I feel like I'm two personalities and stuff. One wants me to crazy cheat on him with some John Saxon cop character guy. Yeah. The other one wants me to <laughs> yeah. su- hang around this fucking dick who rides bicycles on the freeway. I just don't know which one to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, please come over. I, I don't want to harm myself. So Anne's like, okay, I'll come over there. Because I'm, what it, which is so dramatic, right? Like. Yeah. So she might harm herself because she can't decide which of these things she wants to do. Yeah, and she wants to explain what she's done to Anne. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So now the uh, now the, the detectives, they figure out that this girl Jane is like part of Peter's life and stuff, and they start doing a little bit more digging on Peter and Jane. And then the cop guy leaves because he wants to go... Um, he wants to go um, talk to this Jane girl. Maybe she might have some yeah. insights of these killings. So I'm guessing. So what I'm guessing here is Jane. She has a gun right now. 
So yes. at first I was like, okay, is she gonna like shoot Anne when she comes in or something? But since what happened at the, I don't want to spoil it yet, but I, I, I'm pretty sure no, I know why she has the gun because I'm pretty sure she knew somebody's secret. Yes. Oh, by the way, I our boy, that's what it is. our by the way, our boy John, yeah, he got killed. He went back to his car and he yeah, got he, choked out. He got strangled in the car. Yeah, yeah by the black glove killer. Mm-hmm. You know, the black glove kind of reminds me of vacant. You know, when you have championship being vacant, like black gloves are just everywhere in these movies. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So now she's waiting there for you know with her gun, all right, and she's like by the window and stuff, and like. Right before she gets axed, she like smiles. So this axe goes through the window, it just fucking chops out her fucking arm. I was like, oh shit. And she starts like <laughs> spouring blood everywhere. Like that Italian blood, brother. Yeah. It fucking looked like it was everywhere. Red and purple and shit everywhere. It was fantastic. I loved it. I could see it. It was like everywhere. all over a white wall. Like, white I don't wall, even yeah. know if a person has that much blood in their body, but like <laughs> she did. she's like holding like this chopped off arm and she's like squirting blood over the walls yeah. and like it's um, it's amazing. Like yeah. this is definitely like, um, Argento. I think it's really Argento, like going way over the top with the blood yeah. and violence to women. Like he's been, you know, like people doing what people accused him to do it. So so much so that it's almost cartoony in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish you hadn't seen that scene before you watched this movie because that would have yeah, been. Yeah, I saw awesome. a clip of it. I didn't know where it was from. I was like, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty surprised when it showed up on here. It's like, oh, okay, that's where that scene was from. <laughs> so, so then, it's you know, amazing. she she looks at the the killer and she has a surprised look on her face, which makes me which makes me think about yeah. something else as well. So the then the axe person just kills her multiple times. So now we have another scene of that 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 fucking girl with the red shoes getting killed again. So we see we see that flashing again. And then the killer, like after after the killer's done killing Jane, he takes the red shoes away. Oh. Hmm. So now we we see a girl show up, right? And the lights won't work and stuff. And then the girl just gets fucking axed super easy. Because I don't know where just axed dead on the floor. And then we see yep. it's fucking Peter because they do like the little they show his feet and they kind of like go up to him, and it's fucking Peter. Mm. Peter's the one that's been wow. axing everybody. The fucking bicycle man on the freeway, the book writer. He he killed Johnny. He killed yep. the fucking Cristiano guy. Killed his Jane girl. Now he's killed this random person on the floor that he thinks is Anne. Yeah, what a swerve. What a swerve, brother. A swerve with is it a swerve within a swerve? Maybe. So then double turn. So he he, he I guess he didn't want to kill Anne. I guess his murderous maniac didn't want to kill Anne or something, which is weird because, like, okay, so let me explain this. We'll explain it, then we'll go over it. So we thought he killed Anne, but then the Anne just walks in with the detective. And he's all like, "Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> and then, like, the detective pulls a Not gun it. on him. And then, the, mm-hmm. I swear, it was like a Scooby-Doo moment, but it was like the cop doing, like, the Scooby-Doo shit. He was <laughs> all like, oh, yes. This was your plan all along. Apparently, we did some digging on you, and you're just insane because of your childhood background. That's why you did. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Shouldn't it be Peter saying all this stuff? Like, why are you saying this? Okay. <laughs> so then, like, 
so then like he he was just like i guess the cop guy was like halfway like fanboy and he was halfway like okay should i kill this motherfucker because then he realizes that peter axed his his partner he didn't ax jane he axed his partner and the guy's like well i didn't fucking mean to do it and then peter's like you could tell like he's a little insane right now yeah all right and then before like the cop can go over like all the details that he wanted to go over because he's also a fanboy too we see peter gets Mm -hmm. up and he fucking cuts his throat yeah. All right. And they're like, oh, shit. So they, they cut his throat and everything. And he starts, the, 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 the cop tries to call, but there's all the power lines are cut. So it's like, okay, let's just go back into the car and I'll call this in from the car. Let's go. We got to go in. So they go into the police car. And this mm-hmm. is when our boy has to finish his story. He's like, listen. He's like, yeah. so, you know, it's weird. Like, I just am digging on this Peter guy. And apparently, when he was younger, he, he, he witnessed a, a murder. Of a, of a childhood friend of his and it was weird because like you know they could never figure out who the killer was but maybe this incident and stuff kind of like bring, bring some clues that maybe peter was the killer and this 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 act traumatized him for the rest of his life and that's why he wrote all these great books about killing because he was traumatized and he eventually had to kill these people to let his fantasies go and Anne's just like what the fuck this is all these people are crazy <laughs> which then, all seems really strange yeah. but yeah and then our boy the cop guy is like wait a minute i read enough of this guy's novels he always likes to do some trickery so let me hey you wait right here and i'm gonna go inside so he fucking goes inside and it was a trick our boy our boy um peter is not only insane but he's also a master technician he faked his yeah. death he had yeah, like he one of them. Have gi- a razor, bl- a fake yeah. razor blade. He had one of them gimmick razor blades, brother. Yeah, all right. Spurt blood out. Spurt blood out. And then our boy, then our guy mm-hmm. is like, he was so amazed by this that he like stopped being a cop for a little bit. It was like, oh yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. idea. Why don't I think of that? All right. <laughs> Instead I'm, of like looking around, yeah, looking saying, around. I wonder where he went. Yeah, I wonder where he went. <laughs> all right, he's like, oh, right, he just went somewhere else. He doesn't have an axe that's gonna kill me. He would never do that. I told him I loved his books. That was, that could never happen. No, Peter's like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. I got a thousand other fans. There you go, you know, Mark. And he's knocks his head. head out. And he's, there, he's dead. <laughs> All right. And then this is like, this is like halfway my favorite part because it's so ridiculous. Okay. So Peter like killed the fucking uh, fanboy cop. All right. And yeah. Anne's like, I'm not waiting here. This is some weird shit. I'm going to go inside and see what's happening. So like when the when the cop died, he like knocked over like this like artsy statue with a bunch of like fucking poles in it and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Anne goes up to the door, she's like knocking and stuff, and our boy Peter's like, "All right, I seen this in the movies. I'm gonna get all my gonna get my stance going." <laughs> he's like, he's like waiting for her to come in so he can kill her, even though he was worried about her like yeah. two seconds ago, being right. dead. Now he's like, "Fuck it, I don't care. I gotta kill everybody now," because I guess he <laughs> has to kill everybody because still nobody knows his secret. So, I guess so, yeah. So he's like waiting there. He's like waiting for her to get in, but she can't because that fixture is holding it. And then she's yeah. like, then he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to run to her anyway. And then, because the door is kind of like cracking open a little bit. So he runs to her, and then like part of it just like falls on his gut and just goes right through him. <laughs> I was like, fuck, right. bro, what can so, I like, What a weird ass ending, right? Yeah. Like, like a weird way for this and to, then, like, to end. First of all, where the hell did you get this art piece? This deadly art piece. And it just like, yeah, falls on the guy. Falls on you. And then yeah. Anne screams. She's like fucking screaming and everything. The art piece fell on his ass. And then, uh, then yeah. 
And then there goes our boy Peter. And now he is dead. And that ends our Tanabre. Murder mystery, brother. Yeah. So I, I like how it ends with Anne screaming. Yeah. Like she just continually rain. screams yeah. until the oh yeah, over the over the credits and the credits roll. That was yeah. really cool. So I do have one a couple questions. So you know, obviously, you yeah. know, we 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 showed hints about Peter being the killer, you know, mm-hmm. because obviously when he was talking about the impossible being the possible, which was him being the killer all along, kind of. Even though he did admit he didn't kill any of those girls, that was that Cristiano guy, but he killed everybody else. He killed everybody else. Yeah. Yes. So, and I just so. Was Jane, I was just kind of confused about the Jane. So, oh, so another thing that I didn't mention too was part of him going insane was because he knew that Jane was cheating on him with his with his book guy. But I was like, mm. well, fuck, you're cheating on him with the Anne girl. Like, what's going? I, I was confused by that. So basically, he was like a jealous lover, and he got he was going insane. That it triggered some of his past memories. So I guess the red shoes girl from his dreams was like his like older lover or something and he killed her because she was going off with another man and now that same thing was happening to him in his adult life so maybe it triggered a portion of his mind. But I was like, did Jane know that? Like why did she have a gun? Was she going to like shoot down Anne or something? Like I was a little confused about that part. Well, okay. So, um... I only know this because I read something about it. Oh, with the book? I, I knew you were going to say that. I did not read the book, but I read an article about it, about this movie. So that is a that that scene with the girl with the red shoes, the one that gets slapped in the face and then they beat up the guy and all that, that's like a repressed memory. Yeah. Of his. Um, and, well... I don't know. I'm confused. I am a little bit confused by this scene. Um, but no, I think that that's like a repressed memory of that murder. Which one? The one he, the girl, yeah. the girl he killed yeah, as yeah. a kid. Yeah, it is. But I'm just saying, I, my question was, did Jane know that about him? Like, why the fuck did she have a oh, gun Oh, I see there? what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I can't decide. So, yeah, is she, she waiting on him to show up and she's going to kill him because she knows he's the killer? Yeah, or is she going to kill him because? He, well, she was waiting he, for she Anne. Wants him to go away. She called Anne to come oh, over. She's there. waiting on. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, she's waiting on Anne. So maybe she was going to kill Anne. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's really strange. Like he, he, he doesn't really explain why Jane had the gun or what Jane was going to do with the gun. Maybe they just want to do because Janie's seconds got later the gun. it wouldn't matter anymore. Aha! Uh-huh, very funny. How long did it take you to think of that? I knew it right when I watched the scene. <laughs> um, yeah, but you get like, yeah, she's holding the gun, this pistol, in this most awkward yeah. way. Like you could tell this actress had never held a gun before. But, um, but she, uh, but yeah. So I don't know. Like it, it is a little bit. This ending is a little bit confusing, and why these people are doing what they're doing doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I, I don't know why. I don't. I, I guess Jane was going to shoot Anne. I guess so. Well, maybe if you read the she book. Found out, Maybe, because in the book, Jane, okay, her character had a little more depth mm. to it, okay? Maybe. Not only yeah. was she fucking the agent, she was thinking about our boy Johnny, too. She wanted to rock the cradle, brother. 
Mm, yeah. I just made so, that up. Exactly. Yeah. But So what did you think of this movie? I liked it. I thought it was pretty fun. Pretty yeah. good. Did you uh, like it better than Inferno? Um, The story was a little bit more like, you know, it had that murder mystery feel to it. So, you know, those are always fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you're trying to guess the whole time who's the fucking killer and stuff. So that part was fun. Um, obviously mm. Inferno had more of like a deeper story. Like you could tell it was supposed to be like not the end of the actual story itself. Right. Um, yeah. I did like the way Inferno looked compared to this film. Um, but mm. I thought this film, I thought it was good. Like it was like a good little murder mystery horror film in here. So I thought I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. That was yeah. I liked this movie a lot. I think it's a little bit long. Yeah. Like There's I think it stuff. could be shorter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is almost two hours, but, um, but yeah, it's. Um, I, I think this is really good. Um, I, I love this movie. I, I love all of these movies that we're doing this month, but I do particularly love this yeah. movie. But that was the, the full review of Tanabre. Everybody, hope you all loved it. Darkness over here. But Allison, mm-hmm. what movie are we going to be doing next week to continue our Italian Blood Month? Um, let's go, let's do a similar movie to this next month. It's, it's another kind of type of Gallo movie. It's called the, uh, called opera. Opera. Yeah. Opera. Just opera. Opera brother. Does it have it's a, got a really cool, uh, does it have an opera with it? Theme? It does. Yeah. Or yeah. See a bunch it's of an classical. opera theme. It, it takes place in an opera house. Um, there's a really cool scene that involves needles and eyeballs that. Oh, finally, brother! I've been waiting for my eyeball scenes. Where are they at? Yeah, I know. Finally, they're coming up next week. Coming up next week, brother. Mm. But uh, what should we leave everybody with here today, Allison? With some music. Let's, uh, yeah, let's listen. Let's listen to uh, some Europe. Let's, um, let's listen to on the way out of here. Let's listen to Scream of Anger. Ooh, Scream of Anger, brother. You know what I mean? Because our boy, there's a bunch, of, a bunch of scream of anger. You know, deeper, deeper anger inside yourself. You know, our boy Peter had Absolutely. it. Cristiano yeah. had it. They're yep. all fucking uh, just angry out yeah. there slicing Jane up. and Anne had it. Yep. Yeah, they all had it, brother. You know, you know when you go to Rome, it's kind of crazy out there. You got to be careful. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it makes you act murder people. Yes. And especially, and especially, you know, you got to make sure you read the full book, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let don't let a book be unread. So, but everybody, that has been Retro Blood, Jay Allison, James Klein. We will check you guys later. See you next week. <laughs>